Let me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you'll see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 216 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Jim, and this is an X-Men episode where I'm going to be going through New Mutants number 12, Hellions number 4, Marauders number 12, and X-Factor number 3. But before we go into that, let me tell you where you can find us. You can go over to Twitter at WSMarvelComics. The WS stands for Weird Science, and if you do follow us, we will follow you back and we could all talk about comics, Marvel in particular, but anything that you want to talk about. Actually, you can go over to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, where we have written reviews for almost all of the books that come out each week. Those usually hit Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on a new comic book day, but we also have previews and news over at the site as well. And we have a Patreon account where you can go at patreon.com slash weird science and get a bunch of shows and support us for what we do on this feed. But really, to get a ton of shows, a lot of Marvel shows, but a ton of comic shows in particular, DC stuff, Marvel, indie, all that stuff going on, even a manga show and stuff that isn't comic related. It's hard for me to explain all the stuff we do. So I just try to you know, beg you. Go over and check it out. And if you do sign up, you will not be charged right away. You end up only being charged the beginning of the following month. And if you don't like what you get, at least you can check it out. I mean, that's all I ask. Check it out. If you don't like what you see, you can quit any time before the following month, and then you'll never be charged a cent. So it'll be a free trial. No fuss, no muss. At least you gave it a try. But I talked about the idea on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Me and Brandon got together and had our regular show a day later. We had a spotlight on Tuesday when we talked about Wolverine number five. But the reason was because I ended up getting pesticide in my eye and I could not keep my eyes open while we were trying to do the Wolverine. So the regular show had to kind of be cut short and we ended up doing the next bit of stuff on Wednesday. And then while I was recovering, I'm feeling like an idiot. I thought, well, Wednesday actually would be the better day to have our podcast because either on Tuesday we deal with the books six days late or on Wednesday we could deal with that week's books right then and there, be a little more relevant, timely, and also that gives me an extra day. And and I do a lot of things for the DC stuff, the Marvel stuff, and our Patreon. So I am really busy doing a lot of reviews on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday is kind of a free day, which then would allow me to record a bunch more. I don't like free days, so I can end up filling that with the idea where maybe this podcast on a Wednesday night can actually have more books. Almost all, if not all of the books from Marvel that come out that day And then if you do want to avoid spoilers or whatnot, you can read the books at your leisure and then come and listen to the podcast afterwards. But I think it will be one of those things. I want to cover more books. I want to make it more like the DC podcast. I'm not going to ever make it 13 hours. Don't be worried about that. But I want to cover most, if not all, of the books. I think that that's kind of our MO at Weird Science, and I want to get to doing that, even if some of the reviews are only five, eight minutes, something like that. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it ends up. But we're going to try that out coming up this Wednesday. And when I'm done, the podcast here, when we're done talking about our four Xbox, I'm going to go through a quick scheduling of what you will get on the regular feed the next couple days because I'm going to have another episode tomorrow. Then on Tuesday, I'm going to have another X-Men episode as well so that we can get caught up. So Wednesday hits and we start this. We're going we're gonna to do our best, put our best foot forward, go with that. But we'll deal with that scheduled deal at the end because right now we're going to start with New Mutants. Ah, uh, New Mutants number 12. That's written by Ed Brisson with art by Marco Faelia. 
Colors by Carlos Lopez and Letters by VCs Travis Lanham and a issue that's called Everybody Knows. Not the R.E.M. song, Everybody Hurts. That song makes me cry every time I hear it. It really does. But this is Everybody Knows. It's kind of like Billy Squire's Everybody Wants You. But but in this, it's They Want to Kill You. That's Everybody Wants to Kill You. That's not Billy Squire's song at all. Uh, the new mutants have been doing their best to protect young mutants from hostile governments, from bigoted humans, and from their own powers, from themselves. Even with the mutant nation of Krakoa standing strong, it hasn't been an easy task. Th- this new mutants book is kind of an odd one. I have not met the person yet that says that it's their favorite book of the X books, but I haven't really met anybody that says it's their least favorite either. And so it kind of nestles in the middle it's kind of a niche deal you get a bunch of characters that you know can be fan favorites glob everybody likes glob but you know you don't get him in a lot of books but he's here i like boom boom we had before armor is one of my favorites so i do get a lot of the characters that i do like and wouldn't get in other books even with the idea at the beginning you had the stories bouncing back and forth between ed brisson and jonathan hickman jonathan hickman off with sunspot and shire space and then you had ed brisson dealing with the doxing stuff when you had beak and his family being killed all these things going on here well it seems with ed brisson kind of taking over fully We're going with the doxing thing. Now, on the side note, this book is going to change creative teams again, and we're going to end up having Vida Ayala take over full in the next, not next issue, but the issue afterwards. The issue number 14 will be Vida Ayala's first issue of the book. So we end up with all of this going on here. And this does end the doxing site story. Or does it start it? I don't know. I've stolen my dreams. Because you end up with magic getting trinary to figure out where this doxing site's headquarters are. When they do find out, magic gathers Mirage and Glob, and away they go. Away they go to take it to the streets and go after these awful people who are doxing mutants who aren't in Krakoa yet. Well, in the meantime, you also have a secondary story in here, and I don't know that anybody is that interested in the idea of Nova Roma and the quadrupeds, the mutant hunting quadrupeds and their mother coming back for revenge. We'll have to see if this, you know, plays out what's going on with it, but I'm not going to talk much about that because there's really not that much except the mutant hunting quadrupeds and their mother go to Nova Roma, pretty much slaughter everybody in sight, and then leave just Lucius Aquilia to tell the tale. So we're going to have to see where that goes from here. And obviously, I'm awful at pronouncing names, but that's kind of my mutation, right? Well, you end up having Mirage, Magic, and Glob go off to the doxing site they go to the headquarters you end up having this guy who is the he's the leader he's like the manager there he's yelling when he sees them coming and and really you, you see them coming they are watching everything so they should know they're coming you might be able to slip undercover a bit except you come right through the gate right next to the offices and they, the offices are located very conveniently right next to the gate but also you have glob You ain't going to be sneaking around with Glob, right? And that's the thing. Magic isn't sneaking. They are going head on into this. And they go in and pretty much Magic puts a sword up to this guy's neck and says his throat and says, you're going to shut this down. You're going to stop this nonsense. You are setting up mutants to be killed. This is ridiculous. This guy's yelling, everybody film this. Oh, my God, I'm being attacked. Well, we know that the guy's a piece of crap. But... He kind of does have his rights to have a thing. But doxing, nobody likes that, right? I mean, nobody likes doxing. So when this is going on, magic is threatening everybody. You have this being broadcast on the site and beyond with that as well. You do end up having Mirage get one of the computers and says, hey, uh, yeah, I want to show you what you are doing. Now, with that, I would hope that she's more playing this up for the broadcasted deal and not these piece of craps there in the the headquarters of this stuff they they don't care they're doxing these mutants 
they say they're not, but they're doxing them so that people go and hurt them. So with the idea of let me show you what you've done and go through a list of all the people that have been hurt and murdered because of the site, I just kept thinking these people don't care, but they claim, well, you know, we're, we just give out the information. So what ends up happening is a little bit of zippity doo with Mirage changing up the program. Again, kind of a, a nice idea. And I don't think that it sticks because she ends up making a little algorithm, a little virus in their system of, okay, every time you dox a mutant, whoever is uploading this information, whoever is doxing will be doxed themselves. You cannot, uh, you know, you can't dox somebody now. Unless you put in your information, I'm like, oh, that, that's really not going to stick. They're, they're going to end up, they could change the servers. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's like I said, it's a nice idea, but it's not really that realistic. Well, while this is all going on, you do continue to have these guys, especially this main guy, pretty much, you know, eh, we're not going to listen to you. Eh, you, you mutants. And even starts threatening. Uh, Magic and everyone else saying you think that you can, you know, decide to have your own nation. Then you have this medicine where you keep it from us unless we say that we're recognizing you because you want to take over the world and you're doing this. It's the typical piece of crap, you know, point of view here. Glob has enough. And this is where this issue goes from. All right. I I don't mind seeing this doxing deal being taken down. But when Glob goes ham. And just imagine Glob going ham. It's tasty, right? He gets pissed. He flips out. He attacks this guy. And pretty much with Magic even trying. And and just think of Magic being the one with a level head suddenly. And she even says, I never thought we'd have to reel in Glob. But she was even trying to play it smart trying to you know not look so bad mirage was there to kind of tell her you know don't go too over the top we can't do too much globs had enough he is mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore and he goes after this guy punches him right in the face throws him against the wall and then pretty much goes right up to him and says listen no more you docs people and they get hurt i'm gonna come and i will kill you i'll kill you and the the thing is if they are still recording this the people in the office you now have crazy looking glob attacking a guy this is not going to go over well down the line if it continues if it's not just ending here and whatnot because glob says i will come back and i will kill you if you end up doing this i've had enough I'm leaving. And the magic is just there to say, you know, yeah, the, what he said, that's a warning. You're not going to get another. And they go off when they go back to Krakoa and you do end up seeing Glob. It, it's kind of one of those things. We're not used to seeing Glob go this angry. And so you have magic come and you, you think that magic's coming to be like, oh, my God, Glob, I. I really, you know, you were doing that. I think you're, you're a little more sexy in my eyes. That's what I thought. But uh, she ends up coming and Glob wants to explain himself. He doesn't feel good about what had happened and wants to explain why. And it does go on for a while. It is a, an extended scene. It might go on maybe a little too long for some, but I really liked it. I'm a fan of Glob. And seeing that basically when he grew up, he was raised by mutant haters. He was raised by racist people, his dad, his uncle, all that. Not his mom as much. She was working. But the dad, uncle, they all hated mutants. They always talked about how much they hated mutants. And then Glob ends up mutating. His mutation kicks in. And now he is the thing that his dad always hated. And then his dad you know, got handsy, slapped them around a bit and took out his frustrations and all that on Glob himself then. And finally, his mom then in the middle of the night grabbed Glob and took him to the school, took him to uh, Westchester and dropped him off at the Institute where even then Glob was having problems and he, he was mad. He didn't like mutants. This is how he was raised. And this is something that still eats at him a bit but with all the things going on when he finally came to an epiphany that this is where i belong i am a mutant all these things going on he had settled down until 
They were at that doxing site, and that guy was yelling like his father used to. He got triggered. He ended up pretty much, you know, flashing back to all that. The anger rose up again, anger that he thought was gone, anger that he thought he had kind of taken care of, but obviously hadn't. And he went ballistic. He ended up, you know, getting angry, as we saw, slapping the guy around, yelling and screaming, and he he didn't like it. He He's now having to deal with, you know, the guilt of what had just happened and magic does. And, and magic, you know, isn't going to be one of those that's going to be like, oh, you know, come here. Let, you know, she says, listen, you're allowed to be angry. And, and when you're angry, that shows how much you care and you care. And really, you were justified in everything you did. Please do not let this weigh heavily on your soul. You know, you have saved lives today and you did a good job glob and gives them a big hug and it was nice it was a nice ending to that especially if you're a glob fan also gives you a little bit of the softer side of magic all this going on as glob is feeding the chickens at the end like he likes to do so i did like it and i like the idea of you know this doxing thing i like seeing them get theirs you know, you have the whole rule, you know, no killing humans, but you're allowed to slap them around when they're bad, right? And they did. And I like that it was Glob. Glob's just there, and you're like, okay, well, Glob's kind of there, you know, just to take this. Oh, my God, Glob went ham. And I really did like that part. So, overall, I'm going to give it an 8.3 out of 10. I like the art as well. But, yeah, the other part with Nova Roma and the quadrupeds and things like that, we'll have to see how that ends up working out by the end but it's not anything right now that is that interesting to me i don't know if i'm alone there but we will move on now to the next book which is hellions and hellions number four is written by zeb wells art by steven segovia colors by david coriel and vcs ariana mayer on letters in an issue that's titled heartbreaker and that could be the led zeppelin song if you want to get the lead out but it also could be Pat Benatar, if you are so inclined, and I love Pat Benatar, so there. Take that, people. Their first mission to destroy Sinister's defunct cloning lab went south with the unexpected appearance of Madeline Pryor, Jean Grey's clone, and Cyclops and Havoc's ex-lover. As Madeline informed Alex of her plans for revenge upon Krakoa for excluding her, Psylocke battled for control against her rebelling team member Wild Child. Meanwhile, the rest of the Hellions are fighting for their lives against Madeline's team of imperfect legacy marauder clones. And yeah, all, all hells broke loose. That's what going south means. They're not down Mexico way. All hell is broken loose here And you end up having John Greco He's hanging upside down like a slab of meat Being eaten by Arclight You end up getting Nanny They're trying to break her open like an egg While Orphan Maker already did get ripped open And got Riptide and Scrambler All messed up with acid and stuff And Riptide's going to get his coming up I'll, I'll tell you Because all of this ended last issue with Wild Child finally seeing, okay, Psylocke is the alpha. Psylocke then says, let's go kick butt, and that's what they're going to do right now because they come in, and you have Psylocke just pretty much give Riptide a lobotomy, even though he has no brains really anyway, and just starts ripping apart everyone. Freeze John Greycrow, who then says to the Hellion, says to Wild Child and Psylocke, you guys go off. You guys go off. Maybe you can find Nanny and Orphan Maker and all these things going on. In the meantime, I am going to, you know, talk to my former friends and teammates here. And when you have the Hellions go out of the room, then, yeah, he just blasts them all in the face. They're all dead. So that is the deal. And it's funny, too, because we just talked about the doxing deal in the New Mutants. This book is going to end up finishing off this story here, this story of going to the orphanage, the idea of a Madeline Pryor being upset, not being invited to Krakow. All these things seem to be coming to an end because we're heading to Ten of Swords pretty much next week. So we get an end to this first story here. And so what's going to happen with Madeline Pryor? She's mad. She didn't get the Evite to go to Krakoa. And if she's like me, she probably wasn't going to go anyway. You just like to be invited, right? And then you put maybe because maybe means no. Well, she is, like she said last issue, she's not going to change her plan. She's raising an army, an awful army, a zombie army, an army gone wrong. And they're going to bathe the Krakoa in blood, right? One of those simple plans. 
But when she's doing this, she's also doing a little ritual type deal where she's using the controlled Alex slash Havoc with this and talking to him about, you know, what she's going to do, how much she misses him. I'm going to go to Krakoa. Even last issue, she said, and then I'm going to take your head off and throw it at your brother. All those nice things. Well, while this is still going on and while you see a ritual starting to happen, you end up having Grey Crow come in guns a-blazing and he does kill Madeline. He shoots her right in the chest and she dies. But as she's dying, she ends up healing Alex. So he doesn't have that awful cut on his where he cut open his mouth because she's like, you can't scream with no mouth. And he cut it open. Disgusting. Well, now he looks sexy again as she's dying and says, I I just wanted to know. And I wanted everybody to know I'm a real girl. Well, that is definitely going to trigger Havoc, who goes full out Havoc. And this is where we see why he's on the Hellions. He pretty much finishes the job. He ends up bringing down the orphanage, destroys it all. And it's in ruin. And then he comes to and pretty much turns into Urkel and says, did I do that? You did. You ended up destroying everything. And then you get a moment of team building at the end where Wild Child's like, yeah, you know, I I think everybody was right. We are crazy sons of bitches. And then they all just start laughing. Well, you end up then going back to Krakoa and you do find out, first off, you find out that Psylocke and Wild Child, they're a duo now. You end up with Psylocke, wherever she goes, Wild Child's just running on all fours like a little pet beside her because she is the alpha, but goes to Grey Crow and says, hey, the legacy marauders have been approved for resurrection, wanting to, you know, let Grey Crow know that, again, his teammates and friends will be coming back, Arclight, Blockbuster, Harpoon, Riptide, Scrambler, they'll all be resurrected and you know he just ends up thanking her for you know thanks for kind of looking the other way i had to do that uh i knew that you were gonna let me when i told you so thank you and then you go off to find out that madeline Pryor will not be resurrected the resurrection will not go as far as the evil clone of gene gray and you have scott talking to his brother alex saying yeah they they said no i tried And so you're going through this, and he says, there are protocols. She was a clone of Jean the council doesn't want. And Alec, what do you want? And then Scott, like, walks away. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It didn't work out. And walking away, and there's a crying Alex yelling, she was a real person. She existed. Well, you end up having Scott walking away. As Alex turns crying away from Scott, you see, yeah, it was Mr. Sinister kind of doing this, pretending and making Alex think that he was Scott So I don't know that they Even went to the council and even Asked and this is Mr. Sinister Playing a game and says How this never gets old Laughing well Nanny's right there Nanny sees all this And it's a funny deal where I saw what you did Whoa where did you come from You crazy egg and like I I Saw what you did And you are going to pay You are awful Mr. Sinister gets mad and says, you know, pretty much how dare you? How dare you end up yelling at me? All the things I've done, if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have the resurrections. We wouldn't have any of this. So pretty much everybody who's been resurrected, they're pretty much my children. And, you know, and he's going with his whole M.O. as he always does. But, yeah, they're my children. So you end up with Manny saying, how many do you think there were? Do, Do you know how many there are and you end up having mr sinister like yeah i'd have to look that up i I don't really know the number off the top of my head why and then nanny says when i come to punish you i want to know how many orphans it will make and goes with the whole deal with her and orphan maker gonna come and they are gonna kill mr sinister and she wants to know how many orphans if those are in fact you're considering yourself their daddy how many orphans am i going to make and that's where mr sinister henson's like yeah i didn't love that at all he liked messing around with alex and all that and he didn't like getting threatened in a pretty badass way so you end up with it ending there and it says next ten of swords we'll see where we're going with that and all that so hellions ends up ending that first arc here and it was good I mean, like I said, it's one of those books that it's not necessary because it's not the big picture story, 
But again, a lot of these things, like New Mutants even, if you like the characters or like the tone, I love the art. The art's great. If you like the tone, it's got a little sense of humor going on, and it's dealing with characters. A lot of people like Havoc. A lot of people like Psylocke. All that. These aren't necessarily any characters that I know or love. So I'm kind of here for the ride. I'm starting to, you know, ease into this, and I want to see where it goes, especially even after Ten of Swords. See where it opens up, where they're going to go to next, and all that sort of deal. So overall, though, I'm going to be positive because I did like this. It's a straightforward issue, but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Really good art. Well, now I'm going to go off to a book that I do love and have loved, and that is Marauders. And Marauders number 12 is written by Jerry Dugan with art by Matteo Loli. Colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the big thing about this book is the return, the resurrection of Kitty slash Kate Pride. And this issue is called A New Lease on Life. In a bid to secure a second seat on Krakoa's Quiet Council, Sebastian Shaw murdered Kate Pride, assured that the same quirk that keeps her from using the portals would prevent her resurrection. Unfortunately for the Black King, Kate's friends were not so easily deterred, and after 18 failed attempts, they finally succeeded in resurrecting their Red Queen. Shaw has made the first move in a dangerous political game, one that cannot go unchecked. The time for revenge is soon, but first it's time to welcome back an old friend. And this is what this issue is all about, where Kitty is back. Uh, She ends up having a couple parties, the first one where Emma has her gather and be greeted and saluted and welcomed back by all of the mutants that the Marauders had helped save and brought to Krakoa. It's a nice moment. You end up having Emma there with Kate, and then Storm shows up, and they hug, and in a nice deal. You even have Storm show up. It's like, how do I know it's you? You know, I, I knew you as all these different names. You were Kitty, then Sprite, then Shadow Cat. How do I know it's you? And you end up having Kate say... Because once I was a dumb kid and I threatened to abandon you over your haircut. And they hug and it's nice and everybody yells, you know, she's a mutant, long live the Red Queen. So we're going with that. And you go off to Emma and Kate then riding horses in Hellfire Bay. This is one of those issues where you're you're easing into the idea that Emma and Kate are going to take their revenge against Sebastian. And in my mind, we're going to end up having Ten of Swords come up. So you can't really start full out now. You know, Ten of Swords might be getting in the way of some things. So let's just have a little cool down issue. We have Kate back. And and because of that, I'm not going to rate this one as high as I have some of the other books in this series because of just the fact where you're just kind of setting up things that we all know. There There isn't a mystery of who killed Kate. We, we know. And so we're waiting to see the reactions. We're waiting to see the planning and the revenge by Emma and Kate. And so you're going, you see Bishop is on the case as well. And while you do then have Kate and Emma riding the horses, having a nice time, uh, Kate says, Emma, you know, how did you find out what happened, all that? And Emma says, Lockheed, he ended up showing me. I ended up being able to read Lockheed's mind. So you have that. And then Kate says, show me and sees and sees how and what Sebastian did. And so you have the whole idea where they're going to get revenge Kate has different deals like, yeah, I think I have a better idea of how to get back at him. And this is where the mystery will be. Like I said, it's going to set up. Oh, my. What are they going to do? Because Emma already has the plan. They already had a plan they had worked out. But Kate has a different plan. And so Emma's like, what? Reads her mind and starts laughing. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is the best. Bravo, Catherine. Well, you end up having all that going into a a crazy deal i mean if you want an entrance into a resurrection party i don't know if anybody here will ever be able to go to a resurrection party but if you do you should come in on a white horse just walking in with all your friends and family and, and enemies because sebastian is there as well but you have some nice moments you have wolverine there like hey there kiddo 
Oh, hey there, Logan. Yeah, that you end up having magic come in and hug Kate and they're all getting along. But then you also have Nightcrawler, who we have had those letters that he had been writing to Kate while she was dead. And it's a nice scene where he comes and says, you know, I missed you so much. She's like, oh, Elf, I missed you, too. This is the greatest. I'm I'm so glad I'm back. And you're the great. And you end up having Kurt go on with this idea of trying to figure out, you know, the spiritual side of Krakoa and things like that. But gives Kate her star, a David necklace that she puts on. And it's a nice scene. Like I said, it's nice there that they can get together. They're going to go and even say, we'll we'll get together later. We'll figure out a lot of stuff together. That's where magic shows up. And everybody who shows up, it's like, you know, the next in line of guest stars bigger than the next. You know, magic. Oh, my God. Kitty. Oh, my. Tackles her. And then you see Sebastian Shaw has come. And he has a bottle of crack Cohen whiskey. That was aged to 50 years by tempo. We've kind of seen this before. So it's not a surprise and something that was kind of neat when we did see it before. And yeah, so there's Kate and she's going to play it cool and say, oh, you know, thank you for the gift. I'm so glad to be back. And you end up having Sebastian Saul. Now that we have the Red Queen back on the Red Throne, the Hellfire Trading Company will continue to turn the world on its head. Kate ends up surprising Sebastian by hugging him. You know, it's almost like let's keep our enemies real close and ends up with like an evil look as Sebastian can't see her face there because she's hugging him. Thank you for your gift, Sebastian. Well, one of the things being is and one of the things that Sebastian really screwed up here was. He had a red queen that he was mad. He wanted to have his own, you know, deal on the red throne. But at that point, he had a red queen that couldn't go in Krakoa, couldn't get through the gates and, you know, could be killed at some point, not resurrected. Well, now, since they figured this out, Kate's biggest problem is solved. She's on Krakoa now. They're all there. So, yeah, you know, Sebastian trying to get rid of her cured her of the biggest problem that she had. And now I don't think that you're going to be able to stop her. And I want to see what the plan is. Now we do see a little bit of things that she's going to end up doing because she ends up getting magic to kind of, Hey, I need a distraction. I'm going to get out of here. I want to go on the Marauders boat. I want to get something to eat. Yeah, let's go. And they go off and Kate goes back to the tattoo parlor that she has gone to before. She ends up, she likes the knuckle tattoos. She does. And so she ends up there. She ends up throwing a lot of money at this tattoo artist, this woman who then she kisses goodbye, all these things going. And even when she's doing this, this lady's doing the tattoos. Like, I usually don't ask people. I really don't care if they have no regerts tattooed on their forehead. You know, it's kind of cool. But what what is this all about? No, it's just some guy who wronged me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that a lot, right? So you end up having Kate, and she has her classic Sergeant Pepper's outfit on that she had, the red captain's jacket, and she goes out of the tattoo parlor and then ends up showing us what she got tattooed, which on her knuckles she has now, Kill Shaw. It'd be funny if she had die bart die and then she'd say no that's the bart the right but she has kill shaw on her knuckles ready to go off and kick some butt so we'll see what happens what happens during ten of swords if we can continue this or this kind of gets delayed a bit because of that so with that the art i don't know kate seemed it didn't it look classic but not like she has in the, the art is good, but a little off to me for some reason. But the story itself, again, you know the mystery of who killed Kate. This is more of a feels deal. You know, you get Storm, hey, you know, Sprite, hey, you know, you end up having Kurt. Oh, my God, I was waiting for you, all that. But after that, you know, there's not much to this issue. You're just getting set up. And one of the things about this book, You know, we end up having Kate being killed and then we kind of moved on a little as they didn't know and then they get her and stuff like that. And we're going back to it. And I love Kate. I'm glad that she's back. It it wasn't really 
that big a deal though and when she did come back and they figured out that she was trying to phase not break through the cut kind of was very quick so having this issue after that yeah it's not the greatest this is one of my favorite books of the whole dawn of x deal of the x line but I need to get past this resurrection now. Since it was so quick to just go, let's just get past. I need to see the revenge. I want the revenge. I want to see Sebastian Shaw go down. So I'm looking forward to that. But this issue, I'm going to give a 7 out of 10. Uh, Not the greatest, but had some moments. But I'm going to move on to the last book that I'm going to talk about. And it's a book that I'm really not digging. And if it was one of those things where I didn't have a podcast and I wasn't trying to talk about all of these books, I would drop it as this point. Uh, It is, and it's X Factor. It's X Factor number three. All right. And X Factor number three is written by Leah Williams with art by David Baldion. Colors by Israel Silva and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga in an issue that's called Death Spiral. Now, listen closely because I have a little bit of an issue. It's kind of an ongoing issue with this arc, with this story, with what this book was supposed to be. X-Factor investigates mutant deaths and disappearances in order to manage the complicated business of resurrection. That's the setup. The setup is this X-Factor team goes off to get proof of death for family and friends when they want their loved ones and everything to be resurrected. So if I go and, you know, somehow I know my son Logan is a mutant and he has been killed, I go to the five and say, hey, I want my son Logan resurrected. And they're like, well, we can't just do that. We need proof of death. Okay, so with that, That doesn't necessarily mean that you go off and solve murder mysteries, though that could happen, right? You could have that. But the setup is I go to X Factor, say, I need you to find out. I know that my wife was killed, but I need proof of death. Can you go off and get this? This is how we ended up having Northstar go get his sister Aurora. They ended up getting her body, bringing it back, throwing it at the five. There's your proof of death. Resurrect her. Now, we are continuing to wonder how she died. That would be a personal deal to Northstar and the rest of the X Factor team. But the idea of this and the pretty much really the first official job because the aurora thing that was personal that's what set this up the first official job of the x-factor team who goes to get proof of death and does the complicated business of proving the resurrection ends up with bloody ballet shoes and now we're in a murder mystery that they don't even know who set that up they don't know who the mutant is it goes against actually the whole concept of the book so you know you end up having this being you know, a murder mystery, that's fine, but that wasn't really what you set up. And then you go off the Mojo verse, and then Leah Williams goes way off the rails, and you have all this nonsense with live streams, you know, pound the like buttons, and oh my, the mutants, they get all the deals. So we had the idea that the X Factor team was going off to the spiral. They're going off to talk to Spiral, and with that, they go. And if you're not aware, Spiral showcases run by Spiral, Rita Wayward goes, and she has a couple mutants with her. Mutants are hot. They're like Hansel. People can't get enough of them. But with that, they go. And we did end up having the dead mutant, who is Wind Dancer, having been killed but we find out here that it seems like she committed suicide she committed suicide to get the likes and the hits and all that and so with that they won and this is where you have spiral wanting to get the reaction now we're having box opening reaction videos here where hey everybody we're going to be right back we're going to go to a commercial for the headshot tv and when we come back we're going to see the reaction when i tell the x factor who it is who died. So they go off and you have this sort of thing. And throughout all this, you have everybody trying to read each other's minds. You get the idea, oh my, everything's blocked off. You end up having Mojo has set these deals in these people's minds where you can't read them. Rachel's doing this, that, and the other. So you end up where you find out who the mutant is. It is Wind Dancer, but in, you know, more specific, it's Sophia Montega. 
And Sophia Montega is a school chum of Prodigy and Prodigies. Oh, my, I know that. So, hey, there we are. We get the reaction. But we also get the bigger reaction when we see her suicide live. We, well, not live, but recorded. We see the recorded deal of her suicide. You know, fun stuff. And when I talk to people who they tell me I'm crazy and, and I say thank you, for the evaluation I mean there's a lot of other people who have said that as well And I'm not even This has nothing to do with the books They just say I'm crazy But then I say I'm not really down with this X factor And they say to me Well I like it I really like it And there's a bunch of people who have told me this So there are fans of this book So I say what is it What do you like then You like the story Well not really Oh you like the mojo versity Nah I don't really like the setting either So what do you like well, I like the characters, and it's a lot of fun. This is what I get 100% from the people I talk to about why they like this book. Now, I said kind of the same thing earlier with New Mutants, where I do like some of those characters. And so if I want to get them, that's the book probably I'm only going to get them in. So I think that that's with this as well. If you like iBoy... You ain't going to get them anywhere else, so you're going to like this. If if you end up liking these characters, I can say, yeah, maybe you can stick it out and whatnot, but it's not fun to me. This is not fun. You, you're kind of being shuffled between scenes, and one of the things that gets me, and I always can tell in a book where I don't know the characters that well, and, and I don't know a lot of these mutants that well. So when I'm trying to get a grip on them, I realize that Leah Williams is not really letting them do much. Everything is being done by other people, especially the stuff in the Mojo verse, where when they go to Spiral, Spiral now dominates every scene that they're in, and I'm not really getting much of the mutants themselves, the X Factor team, as again, they they're shuffled from watching a suicide till now being in the combat arena, where you're like, Oh, you're gonna have to get to the combat arena in the streams. And I'm like, I don't even get what's going on really. Well, they're there and they go off. Well, in the meantime, we do go back to Krakoa to the boneyard where you end up having Aurora. She's walking around with Amazing Baby. They had been watching the feed from the Mojoverse, and you have Aurora go into the kitchen, and there is the sexiest drink of water you've ever seen, Dakin. Now, you end up having Aurora surprised. Oh, Dakin, I didn't know you were, you were back. Is everybody else back? Well, is she playing coy because she was watching live when he was kind of kicked out? And even when he said, smell you later, North Star, I'm going to go back with your sexy sister. And she's like, oh, my God, Dakin thinks I'm sexy. So she, she knows this, but it's played off as she's surprised. And she's really surprised Dakin's wearing a shirt. I mean, this guy is the Matthew McConaughey of the Crack Cohen set. Am I right? Am I right? You, you don't wear no shirt. Why would you wear a shirt, Duh. right? So you end up, oh, you're wearing a shirt. You get through a lot of talk, a lot of flirty talk. You know, oh, touch my, my shirt. I'm only wearing it because it's soft. Oh, it's Angora. Angora, I thought that your name was Aurora. (laughs) That's a dad joke. He even says, I know you like my stupid joke. So now that we're getting on and we're flirty, can I ask you something personal? I'm like, oh, my, what is going to go on here? And he goes too far and says, hey, what's up with that guy you were in Bellingham with? You were going to hook up with? And she gets mad and walks away. And he's like, oh, I'm so stupid. So you're going to continue with pretty much nothing there. We didn't get any information, but we go back to Mojoverse, unfortunately, and it's the big fight going on. You end up having the X-Force going through the ladder to get to the top of this combat deal. And when they do, they find Shatterstar. Shatterstar is there. He is the top streamer there in the Mojoverse. And then you end up having a scene where, you know, he's aware of what's going on. He is aware that there's some people dead. He, you know, he has all this. He knows that Wind Dancer is going to have an autopsy. And this is the other thing is they're going to do 
the autopsy live for the hits and the likes. And so you end up with Shatterstar talking. And again, where Leah Williams just throws this in. And if you are not real familiar with Shatterstar or with his you know, connection to the characters, you're not necessarily going to know that he is off a little. You end up having... You know, Polaris talking to him like he doesn't seem right, but he's not really he kind of goes back and forth with, okay, he seems to be controlled by Mojo. Then he's not. Then he is. Then he talks crack Cohen. He's given a wink, wink and a nudge, nudge. And they end up even saying when they go like, I, I think that he wants us to steal, you know. Wind dancer and take her back to Krakow and all this, but in the meantime, I think we got to come back and get him. And I'm telling you, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm getting lost myself. I, I just, this whole deal ends up just being the X Factor team goes to Mojoverse. Things are not right. They try to get through all of these streams and the the videos and the reaction deal to get to. Wind Dancer, grab her body and get the hell out of there and leave Mojoverse and then possibly coming back to save Shatterstar afterwards because he's obviously being controlled. There you go. That's all this is. Everything else is just nonsense dialogue thrown in to try to spiffy it up a bit, but it doesn't. And so we have trouble afoot in Mojoverse. Who would have thunk it? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, you end up having Shatterstar like a you know, Hulk Hogan there. He's even doing like pretty much the thing with the, you know, hearing with the ear. With the... And so they end up going off. But even then, you don't really see what happens because then you go back and out of nowhere, you have a couple cool characters sitting around in Krakoa, you know. You have Storm, you have Mystique, Domino, you have Psylocke, you know, as sitting with Gwenpool for some reason, and you end up having them disappear as if they have been zipped away by Thor, and you end up where the bar, where'd they go? And you have Gwenpool, uh, it's just a tie-in. And, and at first I'm like, oh, this must be the tech now. It's the Fortnite deal, it looks like again, so. You have that nonsense. That's kind of an epilogue. But the overall story, I'm telling you, even just the idea of when I started off saying it's not even kind of what this book's supposed to be about. But there you go. You have this. The art looks good. It's it's a cartoony looking art. I think it works well with the book. So I think that's cool enough. But I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I think I'm being generous there really isn't much to the story except people yelling at each other talking mojo verse nonsense and then them going off and i don't even know if it's done i don't even know if they solved anything (laughs) no idea by the end what the hell we accomplished here so there you go there you go i'm down to a six if i keep talking about it i'll be down to a three soon so i'm gonna stop but i'm gonna tell you what's coming up What's coming up is me dropping this book because I'm sure this is the thing. This is where you can't win with a podcast where a lot of times people look at the show notes. Oh, that X Factor book. I don't like it. Now, this is okay because we're still on issue three. So most people would stick to it. But by the time you end up getting where a book is not being read by anybody but fans of the book. You're not well served to have a podcast where you don't like it because the people who hate it, they ain't listening. And then the people who like it tune in are like, what a jerk. See, that's what happens. I know from experience. I've been called a jerk a lot. But there you go. There you go. I'm a jerk. But here is what's going to come up. I said at the beginning of the podcast that I would mention the things that are coming up, the different podcasts and what will be on them as we get towards this coming up Wednesday being the first big deal of the new books on the show that day. Well, we're going to have an episode on Monday, the 21st, and that will be tomorrow as I'm recording it. That would be episode 217, and that will have Star Wars number six, Star Wars Darth Vader number five. And if you're sitting there saying, Oh, the Star Wars stuff, that's not really Marvel. I say you shut your mouth. That's what I say. I, that's And I'm going to keep saying it. stolen my dreams. Yes. We'll also have Thor number seven and Immortal Hulk number 37. Two darlings of books there. 
Two books that people just love. They love them, I say. And then on Tuesday, the 22nd, episode 218, we'll get back to the X-Men books where we'll have X-Force number 12, Excalibur number 12, Giant Size X-Men Storm number 1, and X-Men number 12. And then that will get us all caught up, ready to go to do our new Wednesday night show where we talk about all the books, or at least as close as we can get, some with Brandon, some with me alone, maybe some, I don't know, by some ghost or something. There has to be a ghost down here where I record in the basement. There were crickets. I killed the one cricket, so his ghost is probably around. I can get him to do it. But if you wanted to know what's coming up this week and what we may be talking about on Wednesday, because... As a little bit of a commercial here, two of these books will be on the Patreon-only spotlight. That if you go to the Patreon and you go to the upper echelon levels, you get to pick all the books that you want. And they always pick two, and I think that they are going to pick two big books. But we'll see. We'll see. But two of these books will be on the Patreon spotlight. And then... The rest will be on the Wednesday show. And then the X books, which there's only one, will be on the X episode that I have during the weekend. So here they are. Daredevil number 22, Fantastic Four Antithesis number two, Immortal She-Hulk number one, Juggernaut number one, Ten of Swords Creation number one, Maestro number two, Spider-Man number four, and that is the J.J. Abrams nonsense book. Spider-Woman number four, Spider-Man Noir number four, and Venom number 28. And if you wanted to know right now, as I'm recording right now, breaking news. This is, is if I had the breaking news thing, I would end up using it, but How I don't. But right now, it looks like a juggernaut number one and Fantastic Four Antithesis number two will be on the Patreon spotlight. So if you wanted to listen to those, you'd have to go and sign up on the Patreon and do all that stuff that I talked about earlier. Get that in a bunch of other shows as well. But that can change. The poll can change. And if you want to, you go to the upper levels, you can change it yourself because the voting is tight. So we'll see what ends up going on. But like I said, we're going to have a bunch more books and we're going to try to cover most of the line and have them the day that the books come out i think that that would be better served for everyone i think that that would lead to some exciting podcasting and that's what everybody loves in life exciting podcasting right the pursuit of love liberty life and exciting podcasting i don't know what i'm talking about it's getting too late and i'm very tired so i'm going to go off right now but again Tomorrow, Monday, the 21st, I will have the next episode with a couple Star Wars books, also Thor and the Immortal Hulk. So I'll talk to you guys and gals then. Talk to you soon.